I got invited to Finland in the middle of the winter to drive Teslas on a frozen sea. I've also got a chance to do like two or three TV pilots that have never done anything, but it's a cool opportunity to kind of go through that whole like pilot thing. There is no privacy on the internet. There is only the illusion of privacy on the internet. Hey everyone, this is Aaron Ashley Simon and welcome to Real Gems. In today's episode, we are talking to someone who is very familiar with technology and also has no problem voicing his opinions on it. We're going to be diving into just technological advancement, how it impacts content creation, and also his own personal journey. Please welcome John Redinger. John, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Really, really appreciate it. So uh, this is actually going to be an interesting episode because uh, technology is a hot topic uh, for a lot of different sectors. And there's so much going on, whether it's AI or augmentation or anything like that. But I have to say, like, how do you keep up to date with so much like technological advancements and stuff like that? Uh, Poorly. Uh, Aaron is, uh, is, is the answer. Um, listen, I know we're getting serious. So you have no cards. Um, just by like, I, I have a problem. My wife always yells at me. Like, I do so much research on things. I, I love knowing how things work. It's kind of got me in this career. So AI and sort of the cutting edge of the direction things are going is just, is like fascinating. And now to sort of see something that I, we've all kind of seen building for better part of half a decade now become like a thing that's either amazing or terrifying uh, has been, uh, been kind of cool to actually see it come to fruition. Should people be afraid of AI? I mean, I, I've researched a little bit of it, but I, I, I'm not, I guess I'm not too knowledgeable about it. Like, what are, what are your thoughts, especially as someone who reviews all this new technology? Yeah. I mean, like, I don't think people should be terrified, like T-1000, uh, you know, cyberdoning. It's they're gonna go to war against us and destroy humanity. <laughs> uh, but it is like definitely gonna change people's jobs. Um, and a lot of jobs are going to go away, right? Like we don't have, we don't have milkmen anymore right that's a job that doesn't exist anymore there's be a lot of things that are going to change i don't necessarily think that ai is going to take the job people who know how to use ai are definitely going to be taking those jobs and people think about it like the barriers to entry are crazy high you got to learn like 16 coding language to learn how to use ai you don't these prompts are incredibly easy i can barely draw a stick figure but i can go into mid-journey and i can design something that looks like uh you know picasso designed it or you know one of the best artists in the world in a matter of seconds. Um, so people just sort of learning the fundamentals here on how to use it, I think would really help position people kind of moving forward. In terms of learning the fundamentals of it, you know, part of your job as a tech reviewer mm-hmm. is that you're able to communicate some of the, the pros and cons when it comes to these, uh, you know, standards or fundamentals of these technological advancements. And so for you, like, what is the criteria that you use to evaluate the products and to determine the value for potential consumers? I mean, so... And this, is, this is a little bit embarrassing, but honestly, what I use, like, is this interesting to me? And like, if it is, then great, let's talk about it and see if it's, it's going to be valued to other people. If it's not, I generally assume that I'm not alone. I have a, I have an every man face and every man personality. I feel like I have every man interests. Uh, so that's usually like the very unscientific barrier to entry that we have when it comes to, like, are we going to talk about something? Is it, is it, do I care about it? Otherwise I can't, like, I'm sure like you're like, I can't fake being interested in something. Like it just comes across so crappy yeah i think for me it's like (laughs) 
is it gonna make my life easier? Is it easy to use? And then if it's something that's more for like leisure, I'm like, is it fun? Like, I don't, yeah, when they get into like specifics about RAM and all that stuff, I'm like, all right, you lost me. So let me ask you, like, what's yes. your, like, obviously we're doing the, you have a podcast, technology is part of what you do. Like, what's your, like, one piece of technology that you cannot live without? Oh, okay. One piece of technology I cannot Ooh, live without. Yeah. Uh, I think for me, yeah, it's my cell phone because I am always traveling for work. I do, like, my main job is hosting, so I'm, I'm yeah. going all over the country and sometimes the world. And it's just easy to have everything in one spot. Now, I'm not the kind of person who... Like, I know everyone's like, oh, you have to be team Android, team iPhone. I personally don't care. I just, like, want something that's simple. I don't want anything that's so intricate that, like, I'm on it all the time. I just want to check my emails, check some apps, check text, and call it a day. Okay. So that's a good good answer. I think most people probably answer the same way. What you're doing on your phone for work, could you do that 10 years ago? Could you do the same things that you're doing on your phone? Could you do it 10 years ago? Hey, you, yeah, you, the person who's tuning into Real Gems. 98% of you are not subscribed to Real Gems with Aaron. If you love my content, make sure you hit that subscribe button, please. I would love more of you to join me in my journey. So go ahead and do it. All right, let's get back to the show. Uh, oh, yeah, no. So same thing with AI and same thing with technology, right? Like things are moving really fast now. It's always going to move at the same pace. But if you're not sort of... And I've got a hockey analogy. Skating where the puck is going, like you're just gonna get to empty ice, you know, eventually. So look at like for people, like how they're using technology now versus how they used it three, five, ten years ago. Like it's it's different. And AI is another one of those tools. And that's very clearly like where the puck is going. Yeah, but do you feel like the it's becoming just so oversaturated or I guess like the information about all these new tech is becoming oversaturated because I feel like there's always a new AI platform. There's always like a new something. And I guess sometimes it's like information overload. Like it's a little bit hard to decipher. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, And I think the information people get is from people that don't understand AI, right? Uh, It doesn't matter sort of where you are politically. You've got the Host on MSNBC, you got a host on Fox explaining AI that they're getting from somebody, probably an intern, putting stuff in their ear in like a 20 or 30 second news bit. And it seems terrifying, right? They're coming for our jobs. They're taking over the world. Um, You know, the AI is uh, screaming racist things. It's plotting the depth of humanity. You're like, oh my God, like this is terrible. Um, And I think like a lot of things, you got to question sort of the source of where it's coming from, right? AI is another tool. And it's another tool that we have to use. And humans have generally not used tools all that well. But for things that it can do right now, it is a sea change of possibility. For even for content creators, right? For writing content, writing articles, writing newspaper articles, for scripting, for voiceovers, um, for creating B-roll, for thumbnail creation. These are all like tip of the iceberg for what AI can do, but these are things that AI does really well right now. Mm. So you seem to be someone who is just very straightforward, which is really good, but I feel like, does that make you, does it make it a little bit challenging for when you are doing tech <laughs> reviews? Like as a creator, are you like, uh, from a monetary perspective, are you reliant on brands, on brands, or is there like another like monetary avenue that you take? Yeah, my wife, my, my wife tells me I'm too direct. Something that I've kind of had my uh, had my entire life. Um, and it's funny because I'm actually very reliant on brands. My entire business 
is based on on brands, but I think the directness helps. So what I say mm. is pretty generally pretty accurate, you know, for for better or worse. But it doesn't always go that way. There was I told a story in the video earlier in the year how Apple blacklisted me from all their PR stuff because I was uh, I, I didn't play with their sort of PR machine as well as perhaps they would have um, perhaps as well as they would have liked. I mean, how do you how does one even navigate that? Because I'm the same way. Um, even when I even when I do brand deals, you know, so, sometimes it comes to be like, oh, can you say things like that? And I'm like, no, like that doesn't even sound like me. Like, and I'm the kind of person where like I'll find the middle ground, but usually I, I do yeah. I do what I I feel like is best. But for you, when you have like a big brand and, and company like Apple that just blacklists you, like, yeah. how do you navigate yeah. that? And I think this is the big creator struggle, right? And I think there's generally creators are going to fall into two categories. There's the artists. Everything they do is going to be bespoke, probably not going to play well with, with any brand or brand messaging. And there's the business creators. They view what they're doing as a business. And I think I, I've tried to bridge that gap. I am, this is, my, this is how I put food on the table for my kids. This is how I you know, provide for my family. So there's a fine line you've got to walk between being authentic and genuine, but also recognizing that this is a business, right? If the second you decide to take a brand's money, you have to play ball a little bit, right? There's, there's, no, like there, there's no way around it. It's easy to stand on a high horse and be like, I'm never gonna do that. But it's not realistic if you wanna grow a business. Um, so finding what that middle ground is between obviously being honest and giving disclosure, um, but also recognizing that people are putting money in your pocket. And it's a, it's a tough line to walk and one that I have not always walked well, but one I've sort of learned to navigate over the you know, decade or so that I've been doing this. How have, how have you been, what line have you been walking after the, the Apple aftermath? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's tough, right? Um, you know, you get a brand that's like, hey, we wanna pay you, you know, what a few years ago would have been an obscene amount of money, but we need you to talk about a product that might not be great, um, but may have some positive attributes, right? So try to find those positive attributes, but also being authentic. I think. If you're positive about everything in a review, it's no one's gonna, people are gonna tune out. They're trying to focus on where some of the negatives are as well and some of the counterpoints uh, as something that I've been trying to be better with uh, when it comes to, to brand videos, and especially if there are dollars changing hands. Make sure the audience knows too, like, hey, the first seconds they ever hear in my videos, this video is sponsored by, or a portion of this video is sponsored by. So at least that there is, they know going in you know, what they are, what they're getting, at least sort of frame the video in a proper perspective. Yeah, it, it, it's just it's just a balance at the end of the day. Like there's definitely yeah. video game companies that I've criticized, but then at the same time, I'm just as vocal for when they have wins or do things right. Exactly. And, and that's that fine line. Cause I definitely had some, like I've criticized some really big video game publishing companies publicly and I still do work with them. And everyone's like, oh, how do you, how do you get, still get like gigs with them? I'm like, it's just a balance. Like if you're yeah. constantly negative and you're constantly just like, dogging the company they're not going to want to work with you but if you come with actually constructive criticism and even like the way that you present it um and then also you know you balance it with the the things they do well like they're going to be okay with it well for the most part you know some, some people are some. not so good <laughs> not so good with constructive criticism uh but i'm sure throughout this entire experience 
you've had probably some memorable moments, memorable opportunities that have come your way as a result of the work that you do in the tech industry. Uh, yes. What was one of the most memorable moments for you? Aaron, so this is a pre-pandemic, so I think about four years ago, uh, back when Tesla had a PR team, I got invited <laughs> to Finland in the middle of the winter to drive Teslas on a frozen sea. It was it was unbelievable. You looked at the GPS and it was like the little red dot was like in the middle of the ocean as we were uh, as we were driving. Went to Kemi, Finland. It was uh, the most unbelievable opportunity I've ever had in my entire life. And then the day we got back was when Tesla announced their Model Y. So getting a chance to sort of go to that keynote was uh, was really cool. But just like being in Finland, I'm I love cars and I love tech. So sort of having an opportunity that combines both was unbelievably um unbelievably cool on like the like a job opportunity that was kind of cool um 20 like january 2020 before the world you know did what the world was going to do a few months later uh i got to announce on stage to the world the new hyundai sonata that was coming out like at the new york auto show like i was a guy on stage you know, with like the Britney Spears microphone on, um, announcing the new car to, uh, you know, to, to thousands of people. That was uh, that was a really cool opportunity. Oh wow, yeah, that. I mean, that both are amazing. Like the, the fact that you drove in the ocean, like on top of the ocean, cool, frozen right? water. That's super super cool. Like it was. Can I can I add two more to that too? Because I just, oh yeah, yeah. Just go ahead, remember. go ahead. <laughs> I got to film a commercial with Snoop Dogg once. That was incredible. <laughs> and like probably the coolest opportunity, um, coolest opportunity in my life. That was awesome. I've also got a chance to do like two or three TV pilots that have never done anything, but it's a cool opportunity to kind of go through that whole like pilot thing and sort of see what like a real production is like. How was that for you? Like I, I come from like TV, film, entertainment. So like I've done commercials, I've done pilots and stuff like that. I mean, that's part of yeah. my job. But for you, like as someone who has been creating content with tech, but then ha putting in a more of like this mainstream, yeah. traditional like medium. How was that experience? Aaron, I'm a horrible actor. <laughs> like, really, like, like I'm a horrible, I'm like a horrible, uh, horrible actor. So it was, it was tough, um, but the experience of doing it was cool and sort of see, uh, you know, a real studio production versus just, you know, me and a couple guys in our studio uh, was, was fun. To be part of the creative process and sort of see how that ties into studio executives and planning and marketing was a uh, again a very cool process. Like I think I've done three pilots, none of which have gone anywhere, um, but still just a fun opportunity to be a part of them. Oh yeah, I, it's also fascinating too when you're when you're filming it because some you're, you're filming sometimes in bits and pieces, and then you're like, oh, I don't even know what the whole thing's gonna look like, and then eventually, <laughs> eventually you see it. It's like, oh, that's really cool. Oh, all right. Yeah, it's not bad. The hours though are very long, um, but <laughs> overall, it's not bad. But you know, the rapid pace of technology and where things are going, it's helping yeah. to create opportunities for creators, whether it's opportunities for you to be in TV pilots or opportunities for creators to improve their content creation process or their creative process. We've seen the pros of it, but we've also seen the cons currently what's going on with SAG um, and you know the boycott that's happening right now and the protests that's happening right now. Um, but for you, like, where do you see the future of technology 
related to content or content creation, like where do you see the advancement of technology being implemented in that whole process for creators? What's a good question? We're sort of seeing it now, right? Technology is enabling content to be created anywhere, right? You're at Starbucks and the lady starts yelling at the manager, like you take your phone out, right? And record, you're, at an, you're on an airplane, some lady's yelling that the person's not there. You're like, you know, pulling your phone out and seeing what's going on. Technology is enabling content to be created and it's just it's lowering the barriers to what it takes. You don't need a studio and, and 10, 20 people, $100,000 of equipment. You can just whip out your phone and start creating content and talking about content. It's giving a voice to the voiceless. You know, we've seen it with political movements and political uprisings all over the world, especially the past five years. Um, technology is leading that way. And I think for better or worse is enabling people to have voices that they never had before. Do we feel... So how does how does Web three play into all of this? <laughs> that's web, that's web another three, thing. Yeah, like Web three like turned into like such like a dirty like a dirty word. Now recently, it was like everything's Web three, Web three. It's uh, I don't think anybody knows yet, and if anybody tells you they know, I think they're full of it. Um, you know, Web two point was kind of what we had right now with Amazon and that kind of thing. Web three, um takes it to the next level. A lot of uh, crypto exchanges behind there, blockchain balancing, uh, sort of takes the internet to the sort of next logical conclusion, but we're not, we're not there. We've barely tipped the iceberg and we've seen a pushback when that tried to get sort of jammed down people's throats. You saw it with the NFT collapse. Um, I think I just saw that Jack Dorsey, that Jack Dorsey's first tweet sold for like 2.6 million in 2019. Now is the current value, I believe less than $400. Right, Oof. so with the board, the board apes and all that kind of stuff that celebrities are buying for two point six million now worth a hundred thousand um, dollars. I don't think Web three is is anything that we're going to see fully formed for the next few years or longer. Yeah, I personally was not into the whole NFT thing. Uh, honestly, I, I just felt like it didn't make sense to me. I, I understood that yeah. the authentication process and like the tools within Web3, especially for creators. And, and, and I saw actually it be implemented in, in such a cool way when it came to musicians in terms of giving ownership of their music and creating more profit for themselves. And, and you know, in, in, a, in, a, in an industry where the music labels run everything, you kind of have to play by the rules, but this new technology helped a lot of these indie artists be able to create sustainability for themselves. But I was never really into the whole NFT thing. Um, to me, honestly, it just felt like a scam. Like, <laughs> personally for me, it just felt like that. Um, but I know everyone differs. Ben over here, my videographer, yeah. he's, he's like super into the Web3 things and we talk about it all the time. I, I think the idea of decentralizing the internet is incredible, right? sort of taking the power back. And that's really what Web3 is about. And I, I know enough about Web3 to be dangerous, but not enough to sort of probably explain it with any sort of accuracy. But sort of decentralizing and putting power back in control of the users, like mentioned with the music industry or, or creators, is very powerful. But also equally disruptive, which is probably why we've seen such reticence for it to be adopted. You know, the established players that are making a lot of money are not going to want to give up their control over those bags. Do you feel like the the anonymous factor of of the internet, especially in Web two, without any like authentication process, do you think that that's going to cause issues for technology and and all of that, especially when it comes to decentralization? 
I don't know. I mean, Web3, as far as I understand it, everybody's just, uh, you know, their names are a hexadecimal string of, of, uh, of characters, um, you know, tied to uh, a wallet of some sort. I don't know. Um, I, I, wish, I wish I knew or wish I could predict, but I do know the more anonymized internet gets, generally the, the better it can be for decentralization, but the scarier it can be for sort of the radical fringes. Uh, of people, right? The more layer separation you put behind some of these radical ideals, uh, the more emboldened they tend to get. Um, which flip side of the coin, like I said, I, I know enough to be dangerous, probably not enough to really explain it with any sort of uh, uh, authority. I mean, that's fine. It, yeah. yeah, I mean, we're, we, we don't know. We don't know what's going to look like 10 years from now. I mean, what, uh, like, maybe even just like, 15 years ago, just the advancement right. of even cell phones has been such a drastic build. Uh, I remember my first cell phone was the the Nokia, as we call it, like the block phone. You could like drop oh, it from yeah. a four-story building and it doesn't break. <laughs> I mean, but if you look back at like the fundamental things, right? Like the App Store on the iPhone 3G like changed everything. But like Apple fell ass backwards into it. They were trying to push web apps on the original iPhone. And they're like, oh, we should have an app store. I had no idea what it was going to create, the economies that were going to come from it, and the impact it was going to have. I don't know what that next sea change is going to be. That's going to bring that next next technology. Maybe it's AR, VR. Maybe it's Apple Vision Pro. Maybe something different. Um, but something is definitely coming. You can feel it. You can feel it building. Well, you know, we'll hopefully we'll be able to see soon enough, but like in terms of trends, what's a technological trend that you're seeing that you feel like not enough people are talking about? So this is, this is a couple of questions. Everybody's so concerned with the cameras on their phones, cameras on their computer. I wanna, I wanna cover my camera, I wanna cover my camera for privacy, but I was forgetting about the 40,000 microphones that are surrounding us everywhere. People aren't watching you, they're listening to you. Uh, I'm not that concerned about covering the webcam than I am about the 60 noise canceling microphones uh, that I have. When you sign a user license agreement for uh, an Alexa, Siri, Google Home, there's a lot of information being captured. Even Meta's threads it just launched. If you look at that user agreement, go into the app, click Apple, and click out of the privacy details, you have to scroll about six finger scrolls to see all the information being gathered. Um, so I like to be just very clear that there is no privacy on the internet. There's only the illusion of privacy on the internet. Um, that would really be the, the, the first thing and sort of the sea change is happening. I think people are slowly becoming more aware that there is no privacy um, kind of whatsoever uh, when you are online. I mean, even in person, in the real world, you, there's there's not that much privacy. I always tell people like social security number, like that's how you can get tracked. <laughs> you gotta use it for yeah. a lot of different things. That is a footprint for you anyway. So. Absolutely. The second you're bored, privacy is like out, out the door. And social media really elevates that even more. And it's and not even just basically off like the TOS, uh, the terms of service, but also people post a lot about themselves. And I know yep. sometimes they, they don't realize that it's a little bit too much, but also, I think social media has been a positive thing, too. Um, and so Absolutely. for you, 
How has it influenced, like, you know, particularly YouTube and Instagram and also like TikTok? Like, how have they influenced the, the work you do and, 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 and for you helped you to connect with your audience even more? I mean, so I started on YouTube back when it was cat videos and just guys getting hit in the junk was all that was going on on, on YouTube. So, I mean, it, it gave me a life, it gave me a career, it gave me a purpose to sort of see video become something that everybody could consume, everybody could create, even from the very early days. And then it became something you could make money from and monetize. It was incredible. And the advent of sort of uh, Facebook and, you know, MySpace back in the day, Instagram, that kind of came on very quickly. Twitter, uh, you know, shortly after. TikTok and all these short form video platforms, you can collaborate and you can relate, you can find content for any interest, like any interests, you know, whatsoever. You want to learn about a goat? It's going to ask you if you want to learn about the East African goat, the West Asian goat. There's any information you want to learn on. There's a video and a creator making content on that. And you can find a community for anything. I think that has been incredible. Social media has made the world much smaller. But I think it's also been kind of isolating for people as well. Less incentive to go out, less incentive to see people. You're more perhaps conscious of, of what you say, what you write. Um, it certainly had its toll on mental health. But I think for the most part, it certainly made the world much smaller, more accessible to a lot of people. It has. It's for as much information is also out there. It's also hard to decipher the information and figure out what's factual, oh, yeah. what's not. And so it, it's, it's a very oxymoronic thing right like you said it's connected us a lot more but also it's made us feel so distant from from one another yeah. um but you know I, I do think that it does like i said it does provide knowledge and information to those who are, are creators that are looking for you know ways to build their business way to build their content and especially when it comes to technology products. So I'm, I'm actually interested in asking this question, like, you know, we always talk about what creators should start with. Uh, but yeah. for you, you know very specifics about technology. So, you know, yes. what, are, what, are, what are three things? Let's just, a general creator, and they wanna okay. start making, let's just say YouTube videos. Like, what are three tech products that you think that they should go with? So the first advice I'll give is you'll see these big YouTubers and your first instinct is like, I want to copy what they're doing. You know, I want to have a huge studio. I want robots with cameras. I want to be able to record in 8K with boom mics and key lights and then fill lights in my studio. Like you don't need any of that. Get a really good phone, really good camera, which is pretty much any phone nowadays. Start there. That would be the first thing that I would start with. Pick up the latest iPhone, pick up a flagship Android. Every phone is some version of good right now. Don't go and spend a ton of money trying to build something out to be something that you are not. Invest in a good camera. Get a microphone that plugs into the lightning port or a microphone that plugs into the USB-C port um, and get a ring light. That's it. You need nothing else to start creating your content than your voice. Don't try to copy anybody else out there. Don't try to be anybody else's voice. Because Why would somebody watch you? You can just watch the person you're imitating. Whatever you have to say that makes you unique, find that. And be patient, because it could take a lot of time. Don't think you're gonna make a couple of videos and suddenly be, be making money. Uh, you can't go from A to C. Uh, B is a real long, drawn out process for a lot of people. 
Yeah, yeah. Content creation is definitely a, a very long process. And it's a buildup. You, you start with what you have Absolutely, and then go know. on from there. Yeah, oh yeah. It it took me a while to like eventually get a good setup like this. I definitely did not start out like this. It was No, of course. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, you know, do it yourself too. Um and and I think that what I really like especially when it comes to the content creation part is like sometimes the technology that's the best is the most affordable kind like it doesn't have to be super expensive it, it doesn't have to be crazy and i've seen so many people try to make the mistake of, of spending so much money needlessly and focus on the gear and not the quality of what they're saying and what they're doing nothing matters more than what you're saying um if you focus on that i think generally people will be uh find more success than not yeah and it's also like having a plan and understanding like yeah. why you're doing it. i always tell people that if money didn't exist would you still be happy doing this because it's, it's hard it's, it is it's tough you're it's a great question content creation or streaming you know whatever you're doing like it's it is it is it's is tough to find people and it's tough to find your own voice and i don't think people realize the amount of work necessarily goes into it to just see the end product is it tougher now, maybe more now than before? I mean, obviously, the process to becoming a content creator is a little more clear now than it was before. Yeah. But do you feel like it's a little bit challenging because we live in a society with a, where a lot of technology uh, implements instant gratification as part of it? Like, think about it. Like, you can get anything that you want just from touching a, a button on your phone, right? You can get food. You can go on dates. You can, like, everything is at your fingertip. Yeah. Do you feel like that instant gratification period of technology is making it harder for content creators? I think it's making it harder for everybody, in all honesty. And we're all, I'm, I'm guilty of it, too. The, the barriers to entry to creating content are way lower than they were, you know, five, ten years ago. Um, anybody with a phone could be a content creator. Um, so now you've got a very crowded voice. It was a lot easier to become a, a big fish when the pond wasn't crowded. But now you've got a big pond and a lot of fish. How are you going to rise to the top? I think that's why you see a lot of this like crazy extreme kind of content on there because it's just it's counter program. It's uh, it's different. So I do think it's a lot harder now than it was, and because of that instant gratification, people expect results right away. Put in my first TikTok video. Am I famous yet? I uploaded a video to YouTube, you know, where's my play button? Like, why is Mr. Beast calling me? You know, it's sort of that kind of like you expect it immediately is uh, it's tough to deprogram. It's, it's tough for me to try to deprogram that. Do you think that because you know so much about tech or you've been doing tech review for such a long time, do you feel like that causes you to, to overthink when it comes to um, the content creation process? Because, you know, obviously part of that is like um, thinking about what, what you know for you it's like thinking about what tech to review yeah. thinking about the analytics thinking about the information thinking about the trends and, and all these different things that are actually are associated with technology yeah i mean aaron i overthink everything it's a problem i have insomnia so i'm constantly can't turn my brain off ever um but the technology has definitely exacerbated that uh that problem is i just i'm too far in my own in my own head i can't see the the forest or the trees in a lot of ways I mean, yeah, I, I definitely overthink too. I've been, I've been learning the power of slowing down because I, I have that problem too, where I'm just, 
I'll just be laying in bed and then a thought and idea will come and I'm just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And like, I have to write it down. I got to figure it out. And I'm like, you know what? Oh yeah. Got to figure it out tomorrow, <laughs> but it's hard. <laughs> it's, it's tough and it's not always, it's not always easy to sort of turn off the idea, especially if you're working from home, right? You're always, you're always working. Your brain's always kind of moving forward to find the next idea or way to share an opinion. So what do you do uh, to remove yourself from technology? Since you're around all the time for work, all, like all what do you time. do when you're when you're like, all right, I got to cut away from it? Like I would love to say I just like turn it off and, and you know put it away, but like I don't. And, like it's it's like a problem. Like do you like? I mean, do you ever just turn your phone off, walk away from it for a while? Oh yeah. Like honestly, all the time. Yeah. I I wish I wish I could do that. <laughs> what if I'm missing? What what if I'm missing something? What if a deal's coming in? What if there's a <sighs> catastrophe? Um, and like, it's probably an, it's probably like an addiction level problem. Um, trying to be better, trying to use, you know, focus modes and do not disturbs and make sure that I'm present for, for my family. But I'm always, did I miss something important? Which is, which is really bad and probably super unhealthy. Yeah, but I understand it. Uh, but that, uh, that's why I think like customization is such a beautiful thing when it comes to tech. Cause like you said, I I like redid my entire like backdrop and stuff for my iPhone so I can minimize the amount of apps that I have because I felt oh, like yeah. when I had so many apps, I felt overwhelmed just looking at my phone. And then the different modes where I have personal, I have sleep, I have work, I have workout yeah. mode. Like I made it so custom so that I can have that time to be away. And then I made it so that like, if a deal comes through, my agent can still reach me, but when I'm sleeping, he's gonna have to wait till the next yeah, day. Gonna, he's gonna have to wait. <laughs> it's uh, it's tough. I think you have a lot of healthy relationship with technology than probably um, you know, most people do. Oh, it was a learning process though. It definitely was. Cause I, I, I definitely, I wouldn't say it wasn't, uh, it wasn't necessarily FOMO. Because like when it comes to social media, I don't, I don't really care about missing out. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. But yeah. I think for me, it is my like my anxiety would always make me be like, all right, what do I have to do next? Okay, you know, is this email coming in? What what deals are coming in? Uh, I like will constantly hit up my agent. Like, okay, what do I need to do? Like, so I just had to really find a way to separate myself a lot more um, because it was starting to stress me out, and I feel like. You know what it is? The less I spend on technology, I feel like the more that I'm able to be creative and the more that I'm able to to create to think of things that I want to create because it's less noise that I have to deal with. I think that's fair. Um, I think that's totally fair. I think what keeps getting me back is like, am I missing a deal? Like, <laughs> you know, am I like, is it am I, am I leaving some sort of money on the table? We're a single family income here. I got three kids. So making sure that like, Am I doing what I can to do my part to take care of my squad? It's sort of always like that, like fear in my head that keeps driving me back to like just check. You could just get like a get like a second phone or something, and then like just <laughs> That's have what it. I need. So then they can just you know contact whenever a deal comes through. But otherwise, you're you're not gonna get reached. I think I need like three different lines here. <laughs> okay, if you have three different lines, wait, what would the wow. third one be for then? It's a little. It's a, it's a little. It's it's too much. You know, uh, a personal <laughs> a business and then one just for messing around. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, that could work out, too. I yeah. I just, oh gosh, I can't even deal with one phone. So I don't know if I can even deal with two. But so for, for those who 
want to get into what you do yeah. and reviewing tech like how like what advice do you have for them so again it's sort of similar to what i said before find your own voice don't try to be marquez don't try to be linus or anybody else out there <clears throat> just be be you why would anybody watch you when they can watch the original if you're imitating somebody whatever you have to say on something find that voice find what makes it unique you don't have to spend a lot of money to try this and i just i've seen so many people blow through all their money they had to buy things that they didn't need to do their job just find something unique and say it and most importantly learn the platform that you're on if flow uploading youtube understand its algorithms understand trends understand tagging understand how google's looking at that content if you're on tiktok understand the same don't put up content and expect a platform to put your video out. It's not their job to show people your video. Their job is to make that platform money. It's your job to best position that video to make that platform money so they will show your content. People understand that clearly. I think they're better positioned for success. Yes, it is a business at the end of the day. Even with all the oh, yeah. platforms you use, it's still a business, so. No, you know, creators, hopefully they will not forget that. But John, thank you so much. Where can everyone find you on the, yeah, on the was, internet? This was fun. Thank you. Um, You're just welcome. put my name in, John, J-O-N, Rettinger, R-E-T-T-I-N-G-E-R. You'll find all my things there. Um, but it was I was enjoying getting a chance to, to meet people and talk about all this kind of stuff. So uh, thank you for having me. Hopefully next time we can do it uh, in studio. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you once again. And also, thank you to all the viewers and listeners who tuned in. What was your favorite gem that John dropped today on, on this episode? Drop in the comment section. Also, make sure you like, follow, and subscribe on YouTube. Also, all the audio platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, all of that. You can follow there. Make sure you hit that button. And if you really enjoyed the gems he dropped today, well, guess what? I'm sure you're going to be enjoying even more because we have Many more amazing guests coming up soon enough. Until then, I'm Erin Ashley Simon, and I'll see you all later.